Jason came back to get you, vowing to kill every teenager in the area. And welcome to our second 2018 actually posted on or right before Halloween episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. The spookiest of Jeremy's. It is. And, and this is the spookiest of episodes. None of us are allowed to miss as we cover two NES horror classics. But until we dive <laughs> in to Freddy vs. Jason 2018, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? I continue to play Forza a lot. Uh, that is really the, the new Forza Horizon 4. That's that's really the, my go-to game at night. That's just something I can sit down and, and do a few races, do my weekly tournaments and stuff like that. Uh, we're, we're back on um, spring at this point, I believe, uh, since the, uh, the, last pod, or the last podcast when we were on winter. So things have changed dramatically. But yeah, I, I've really been playing a lot of Forza Horizon 4. That, Like I said, it's my go-to game. But also, the new uh, Call of Duty came out. And I apologize to everyone that has been that's listening to this podcast. Um, but yes, I, I am a big fan of Call of Duty. I, I get it every year. And I, I try not to talk about it too much on this podcast. But it is really about the only first-person shooter that I'm good at and that I can still play. So I, I, genuinely, get, I genuinely get that every year. So this was uh, this is the new Black Ops this year. We're up to four. Uh, I've always been a big fan of the Black Ops series. Those are kind of my the the high points of the series for me. Uh, mm. Black Ops one and two, uh, gen- genuinely two of my favorite multiplayer games of all time. And uh, three wasn't bad, but you know, but I was really hoping that this one would maybe continue some of the bring back some of the older stuff and uh, j- just. <laughs> reinvigorate why I enjoy Call of Duty because it's been several years that I've just kind of been playing it and just going with it and I like it and everything but it's just, it's never it hasn't quite hit that high of Black Ops 1 and 2 for me since then but this one is quite good uh, they have completely just tossed out the single player they're just like screw that shit nobody plays it anyway uh, and uh, they've kind of replaced it with several different uh, multiplayer modes you've got the the same old uh, multiplayer that you've had in just about every Call of Duty ever in this one, team deathmatch, hardpoint, domination, all that kind of crap. It's still here, uh, but you've also got the uh, the zombies. That's back. But the big one this this year is the new uh, breakout mode, which is their attempt at battle royale. Now I have to ask both of you: Have either of you tried any of these newfangled battle royale games? Well, I, my son got me into Fortnite, and I I think that's dead. I mean, I think that craze is over now. I, I believe at least. Um, I'm just out of touch, probably. I played it a little bit, enjoyed it once I knew what I was doing, but am shit at building. Like I would have my uh, my my four walls put up by the time I turn around, and the the person I'm in a, a shootout with has got a fucking mansion constructed, and I'm just never any good at it. That's why I was kind of excited uh, for this, you know, this battle royale version because there's no building. It's just it's all. Uh, just you know, just just run and gun or hide and gun as, as I often do. Uh, yeah, and I've played this one on Black Ops Four. Uh, it's more my speed. I think it's it's certainly a lot slower paced. And like I said, there's there's no building in it whatsoever. I I don't know. I'm just not a gigantic fan. Like it's never going to be the the mode on Black Ops Four that I 
that I spend a lot of time playing. It's kind of just play one match here and there. Um, and Fortnite I could handle in small doses also. Uh, I, I don't know. I just I don't get the overall uh, appeal of it, I guess. And yeah, that's really just about how I feel with it because I, you know, if there's one game that, that Battle Royale is going to click with me, it's going to be Call of Duty. And it does seem like it's a really well done mode in this one. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is still that style of gameplay. And all I do is, all I want to do is just run around and loot everything. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <laughs> and, and then get killed. I, I rarely ever see anyone to kill. Maybe that's just the way I play this, these games, I just don't play them right. I just mm. don't get it, maybe. But every single time I try to play one, uh, whether it's PUBG, Fortnite, this, it's always the same. I, it's just one of those things I think I'm, I, I, I don't get it. And I don't think I want to learn why I don't get it. But yeah, that's really what I've been playing. I, I've not tried anything like that because it sounds like it's not a game where you hunt monsters. Uh, <laughs> it is a game where you hunt no, monsters. There's a good no, chance no. that I played it. In the last two weeks, uh, there's a there's a new arch-tempered uh, fight out. It's actually the, one of the, the fights I don't care for in the game. Uh, when you first get through the story mode, there is kind of a, a midpoint where you do the... Uh, what the hell is it called? Zora Magdaros, uh, which is kind of like a long single-player event. Uh, you, you can't really fly through it. It takes a little bit of time. Anyway, this is the arch-tempered. Zora Magdaros, uh, which means you, it's it's harder. You have to do more fighting of Negragante on there. And I've already lost all of our listeners. So uh, the other thing I've been playing <laughs> is Hollow Knight. I've been playing a lot of Hollow Knight. We talked about mm-hmm. the last two weeks. Uh, it's a lot like, you know, last week, last episode we talked about uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And this, this definitely is the next. It, it's basically like just switching to a different Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I love it. I, uh, I've been playing pretty much nothing but that uh, whenever I have a chance when I'm not fighting some sort of monster. Um, but And there's lots of things I want to play. I want to start playing The Missing, but I haven't bought it yet. Uh, but I probably need to buy it quick because pretty soon I'm going to be playing Red Dead Redemption 2, and oh. that's going to take over everything. But uh, but yeah, Hollow Knight. I, again, highly recommend it. Keeps getting better and better. And uh, the version on PS4 has all the DLC that was out before. So there's all this, I mean, what would be considered extra stuff that you don't know is extra. So that's like I'm going back to areas I've been to and, and fighting bosses over again. And it, it's great. I love it. But uh, but Billy, mm. what have you been playing? Well, I've I've been playing a little bit of Black Ops 4. Uh, just a little bit here and there. Um, and, and I think I, I echo the same sentiments jeremy had for it pretty much uh, in terms of what uh, how i feel about the series kind of where i think it's dropped off and and whatnot i have been playing a lot of that damn mario odyssey and uh, i don't know when it's going to end uh the, you know they have you know ever since the 64 there have always been the uh kind of the items to collect you know whether stars or you know the um, sunshine you're collecting also this one has you collecting these power moons and, and, you know, I got pretty excited because I hit 100. Well, no, that's not the end of the game. You know, you just, you just can't, you keep going. Uh, it's not even close. And I think I finished the game with about 160 of them. And, you know, afterwards, you're, you're free to roam as you please. And I just keep collecting them, and it never ends. And I'm at, uh, I'm at 401 right now. And uh, I just found out. Much to my horror, there are 999 of these things. So, needless to say, um, 
I'm, I'm still have some time to put into this Mario Odyssey. Can't say enough good things about it. Uh, I haven't been back home to, to get hold of my Xbox, but I am going to definitely give that Forza a try. Probably later next year when I get done playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which I am going to... It's preloaded now. It's ready. Uh, I will probably be up midnight Friday, even though I might not be. And I'm so excited for that one. Well, it does seem like we could summarize the entire first 10 minutes of the show by saying we're all playing the same thing we were playing last episode. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. I think we, we brought some new angles to the, the discussion. Uh, but what's more important than what we've been playing that's a new game is what have we been playing that is an old game. And this week, that is two different games. The Nintendo Entertainment System version of both Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm telling you, I think I'm the only one that was excited uh, of the the three of us about this selection. Um, I, I can't think of a better couple games, obviously, to pull up for this this Halloween episode. Uh, I don't know if they are considered classics, uh, like we like we always say at the beginning of every episode. Um, but yeah, these were certainly two games that I dumped a lot of time into uh, growing up two games. I had rented several times eventually would, would just buy outright. Um, but yeah, and two movie series that I just, I deeply love have, have watched several entries from each respective series already this month. Uh, I'm sure we'll get more in depth in each individual series as we go along. But yeah, I was, I was geared up for this one. I remember Friday the 13th. I remember liking it, but finding it to be a little obtuse as far as where you're going. And this is one that when I beat it, I, I couldn't tell you how I did it. Nightmare on Elm Street. I always remember being, you know, just the, the better of the two, uh, but I hadn't played it in so long. So I was looking forward to go back to it uh, and, and seeing if it still held up for me. And I've never played either of them uh, back in the day or, or ever tried them, actually. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> my, my actual first experience with them was watching uh, video game nerd episodes on YouTube way back in the day where uh, he featured those games. And I uh, back, in, back when I was a kid, I generally stayed away from those kinds of games because I wasn't a big fan of horror movies <clears throat> mm. because I just... I'm not good with horror movies. I'm still not good with with them today or any sorts of games like that just because of the anxiety that I have. It's it's very hard to play them. Um, so I, I didn't really do play those back then because uh, I, I didn't know how scary they were, which sounds oh. dumb, you know, play, saying that now. How, how scary can any NES game be? But, you know, as a kid, you really didn't know. And and those movies, uh, uh, Friday the Thirteenth and, and Nightmare on th- those were like the peak of the the scariest things any child could ever see back in the eighties, and so I, I stayed away from those, and I and I have until this podcast. Mm. Yeah, I played Friday the Thirteenth. Uh, you know, you guys, uh, we often talk about 
you know, what games we've rented or memories of renting games. This is one of the few games I can remember specifically renting, you know, getting at home and after about 10 minutes being like, what have I wasted my time with? You know, it didn't come with any instruction manual at all. Not even one of those cards that kind of gave you a few moves mm. here and there. Just a case uh, and a game, like a you know rental case and a game. And, and I didn't figure it out, but we still played it, I mean, all weekend. And, and I, you know, I, I assumed I was getting close to finishing it. But uh, in 2018, I found out that is not true at all. I was nowhere near finishing this game. Uh, and I had never played Nightmare on Elm Street uh, it it came out later, not much later, but but late enough that I had kind of moved on to other systems, and I don't know why, and and maybe it's just me, but when I saw any game that was a four player push on the box, I didn't buy it, uh, unless it was something that I already knew I liked. Like I think I had Super Off Road or something, but I really didn't, you know, have uh, the the what was it called, the multi tap, or what was it called on the system? The four score. The four score. Yes, I'm sorry. Multi tap was triple graphics. Look at me. Anyway, uh, I I didn't have one, you know, so I didn't really worry about those four player games. I had friends that had them, and they had some mm-hmm. four player games, and I definitely tried them. But you know, as soon as I saw a four player on the box, I kind of assumed it wasn't a game for me. And so, uh, aside from the fact that it also said LJN on the box, uh, which also meant it probably wasn't a game for anybody, uh, the fact that it had four players as a, a like a feature, I was not interested. Uh, we're not going to introduce the characters of Freddy and Jason, the character, the main enemies of these two franchises. If for some reason you're listening to this podcast, you don't know who they are, uh, I'd like to meet you because I don't know where you've been living, uh, <laughs> but look it up online. Uh, assuming that you do know these characters, then, uh, you may not know exactly why LJN is such a red flag uh, for gaming, but uh, I remember as a kid, anytime I bought a game that turned out to be not even just licensed, but just kind of a garbagey, thrown-together, slapped-together game, it probably had an 80% chance of being an LJN game. Uh, I own TNC Surf Designs, which I remember as being really good, but play it again now. It's not really good. It is, uh, <laughs> it's kind of two different, really poorly-made games that, you know, I guess you thought was cool because you were a gorilla surfing, but man, or no, I'm sorry, a cat surfing, uh, but it was not good. Uh, and I had Gutcha, which is the, one of the worst gun games that's ever been made. Mm. Uh, you know, they made Karate Kid, they put out Jaws, the, the Back to the Future game. Uh, they, they put out licensed garbage. And I'm sure there are some great LJN games. Perhaps these are two of them. Um, the X-Men game on, on Nintendo was LJN, which may be the worst Nintendo game I've ever played. So, so I did not get excited when I saw LJN on a game. Uh, LJN was, it's a toy company, founded in 1970 uh, by Jack Friedman. Uh, LJN actually is the backwards initials of the financial backer of the company, Norman J. Lewis. So LJN is just his initials backwards. Uh, they really were always focused, even as a toy company, on licenses. So, you know, they made E.T. toys. They made different dolls and figures. They're all based on different movie and TV properties. That's what the company did. And for toys, that makes a whole lot of sense. But then when they went into video games, they didn't change that business model at all. They knew it would sell. You put a name of a... You know, G.I. Joe or whatever the thing is you want on there, if you can get the license and make the game, even if the game is just garbage, kids will buy it. And uh, LJN was known for some of the worst licensed property games uh, known to man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Friday the 13th, unfortunately, in my memory, is maybe a, a perfect example of a game, uh, as I recall it, that was really, really, you know, it sold on the source material, but when you actually got into the game, you know, from what I remembered of it, which again... Years ago, no instruction manual, was uh, I ran around and threw rocks at zombies until Jason killed me. And that happened over and over again, and I, uh, I was not impressed. So that's, that's LJN. Later on, they were actually absorbed by Acclaim, 
and then you know at, at some point even a claim vanished. So LJN is no longer around. Uh, but that's why LJN, when you hear about it, you know there, there's a lot of games. You brought up the Angry Video Game Nerd. You could probably put uh, every game ever made by LJN and, and search it and find a video that they put out uh, about one of those games. Yeah, and I, it's weird because I don't know how I avoided just the majority of their games on the NES. I, the only one I ever played was Jaws, and that was it. That was literally all the LJN. It's kind of crazy like how many games they actually put out on that system. I mean, if it was a licensed movie or a toy, it was LJN. And it's really weird because, like, you know, you mentioned toys and things like that. But then at the same time, this is Jason. You know, this is Friday the 13th. This isn't a toy or something that a, a child would have. It just seemed that they were, if anything was on this the system that was a, a licensed product, it was going to be LJN. So the first of these games that came out uh, came out in 1989 in the U.S., and that's Friday the 13th. Since it came out in 1989, and based on the game itself, you can assume that most of the source material is the first four Friday the 13th movies. Uh, it mm-hmm. actually would have come out right after uh, Friday the 13th Part 7 with the which is basically verse Firestarter, but but that's not in this game. Uh, it's really just focused on camp counselors fighting against Jason, who shows up and they find a, a an assortment of weapons to fight him while he tries to kill them and other kids in the camp. Um, mm-hmm. This game may have, and and I stress this, the worst instruction manual that's ever been written by man. <laughs> It's a long I instruction have, I manual. I have no recollection of this manual. It's well worth looking. If you're going to play this game, first, go find the instruction manual in PDF or, or buy the game and get the instruction manual if you choose to do that. I would not recommend that. Uh, but if you do that, read the manual and then play the game, and you'll see that almost nothing that you've read in that manual matters. None of it really tells you what to do. Um, the, it doesn't even really specify when you can do certain things. So the game starts, and... The first thing you see is Jason's mask. And then the screen flashes and a dagger flies in and all of a sudden it shows Friday the 13th and press start. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's a great intro. I have to give it credit oh, for that. Yeah. I love it for that. It's just literally, this is gonna, this is what you're going to get. And when you push start, you, it shows you a map of Camp Crystal Lake, which is the camp from all the Friday the 13th, the early Friday the 13th movies. And, you know, you pick one of six camp counselors. Now, nothing in the book... And nothing on this screen will tell you there's any difference in these camp counselors. And generally, I mean, they can all do the same things. It's not like, you know, playing Maniac Mansion where each of these guys has a different skill. Mm -hmm. Oh, one of them can use telephones and one of them can fix computers. Nothing like that. They all do the same thing. They jump and they throw rocks. But some of them jump higher than others. Some of them are faster than others. Uh, It turns out that in order to acquire items in this game, some of the characters can acquire items at a faster rate. Uh, None of that anywhere in the manual and i don't know if you'd figure out i mean you, you can figure out someone jumps higher than the other person because you have eyes mm-hmm. but other than that i don't know if most of the things that are different from the characters you would notice at all even if you were playing this for a whole weekend because i certainly didn't yeah it wasn't until uh, aside you know little little things like that like a little bit of one character a couple characters are a little faster and yeah the jumping but aside from that it would be years later until i i properly knew that yeah uh, there were some characters people regard two characters mostly um uh, one male one female character people regard as you know like must 
used characters on there, the ones you have to keep alive. Uh, and there are a couple characters on there people regard as just being completely worthless. Apparently, there's a a lot more stats to these characters than I than I you know knew about until I really started to dive into this game uh, many years after the fact. And see, I, I came into this game blind. You know, I didn't really look anything up. I you know, I looked at the instructions, but, you know, like Jeremy P. mentioned, there's not really much there that can help you. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh, it, it really is just kind of putting you into this game blind. I, I had no clue that anyone was better than the other person. And, and, I mean, to me, just going through it and playing it, everyone kind of seems just as useless as the other person, uh, anyone else. Uh, I, I'm not really sure... I, I picked several different people and I, I they just all kind of seemed like they were shit. But, you know, it's kind of it kind of sucks, you know, that they would put this much into like making differentiating these characters and it, at least not letting, you know, in some mm. form, put something in the instructions to, to let somebody know, because it's not easy even just playing it. Like I said, it, it's kind of hard to tell that these are different characters that have different stats. Well, even just a like a a skill bar, you know, or it's only four mm. things we're really talking about, you know, jumping, throwing. Uh, there are characters that can throw items a little faster than the other. I mean, all these, these, it's four stats that really matter. Just make a bar, A, B, C, D, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that there's plenty of games that do that, and you could have put it on that summary screen, but whatever. Uh, aside from which camp counselor you can start to pick from, you can pick of any of the six. It shows you which of the houses they're in and where you'd start on the map if you use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shows you a, t- uh, a total of the campers that are left, uh, the game starts with 15 campers uh, that are not counselors, obviously, that, that you have to stop Jason from killing. If all the campers die, or if all the counselors die, because then he'll just kill all the campers, the game ends. Uh, so after you pick your counselor, uh, the game takes you immediately to outside of the cabin that it shows you on the map that they're in. And you're in a 2D side-scrolling mode where, just like in all the movies, uh, you run left and right while zombies appear out of the ground and birds fly at you and you hit throw them with mm-hmm. rocks at them. I mean, that that's what all the movies were about, I'm pretty sure. I, it's been a while since I've seen them all, uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure the movies uh, re, you know, revolved around throwing rocks at zombies. But that's the, oh man, that's the, and we'll talk about this more with our, our next game on, on this, uh, this episode. Yeah, I guess it's the, I was bewildered by this as a kid, but I guess it's the trouble with adapting a movie where there is, is one villain who obviously you can't fight, um, you know, right at the beginning of the game. And then that's the end. Uh, but yeah, just, uh, I guess they did the best they could with the, uh, the possible enemies they could have put out there. I mean, Friday the 13th is, we'll talk about it a little more nightmare on Elm street. I think there's a little more leeway with that one. Um, but Friday the 13th, I mean, it's, it's not like Jason, yeah, he works alone. Uh, it's there's nothing else out there in those woods for the most part. Um, so yeah, I, I guess the zombies are just something that I just have always had to just kind of overlook. They're in there for the for video game sake, and that's really what it is. I mean, they had to work with what they had to do for as much as as shit as as this game gets. Someone walked into these this office and was like, "Make a game out of Jason." Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You know, back in the late eighties, it, it's just what, what do you have to work with to, 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 you know, make a child, a, a kid's game on, on the NES, you know, and, and for, like you said, it's, you've got Jason, you can't kill him. He's the main person that you have to build the game around. So you can't just make him the first boss, but there's not much else in those movies 
that you can really mm-hmm. just throw into that game to make uh, enemies out of. Yeah. So, I mean, as generic as it is, yes, I mean, that that's just kind of what they had to do. Except, I mean, they're they're in the woods at a camp. You could do what every other game does and have snakes or a bear or whatever <laughs> animal wolves. I mean, there are wolves in this game, but they're in a cave. I mean, there <laughs> there's definitely the 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 option to have wild animals because you're at a camp. Um, you know, I guess if you're going to go from the movies, I, I guess those zombies could be the random homeless men who yell at you to go away from the camp. But they don't. Yes. <laughs> you don't have to hit them with rocks. <laughs> but uh, but either way, I guess you got to fill the screen with something. I could deal with zombies. It's not a big deal. Um, other than the fact that you know you're supposed to stop Jason, otherwise, what's the point of this game? You really don't have any direction at all. The manual tells you nothing other than that, you know, oh, you have, this is the items you can find, and here's some people you can play as, and, and here's some monsters you'll fight. Mm-hmm. And that's all it tells you, really. Uh, the game, when you first start it, I did forget to mention this, does give you one direction. Before you actually get to start playing, after you pick your camper, it says, the sentence fragment uh use the torch to light the fireplaces so yeah, on your map they've, they've they've screwed you from the fucking start well yeah they don't give you a lot of that. guidance uh, you know you're supposed to light fireplaces first off where are these fireplaces and how do i light them uh the the map itself will show you there's a bunch of small houses and large houses and if you go to the large houses that's where the fireplaces are there are seven of them around the map itself and there are, I think, nine or ten of the smaller houses. Um, your campers are always in smaller houses. The larger houses are, you know, they just have the fireplaces, and uh, sometimes Jason will hide in them. But basically, you're supposed to kill these zombies outside uh, for a set number of zombies. It's not a large number. It's two or three or four. Uh, but after you've killed the pr- prerequisite number of zombies, which take three rocks, I want to say, to kill each zombie, uh, one will drop a lighter. Uh, once they drop that lighter, you pick it up, and additionally, once you get a lighter, it means you can jump around like a crazy person and find other items. So you'll walk around the street, jumping and throwing rocks at zombies, until eventually you jump and you find a dagger, or you'll find a key, or you'll find, I want to say the other item is, oh, uh, potions. Yeah, potions. Yeah, you got oh, your potions. little potions, too. But the, the jumping around is a, is, is a great early game tactic. Uh, but it's something that could completely screw you over uh, later on in the game. Um, just not to get too far ahead, but there are better weapons you can find, and there are very convoluted ways to go about getting these weapons, and it, it's no small feat to stumble upon some of the, the better weapons in the game. Uh, but it's it's that thing uh, where you're jumping around, maybe trying to get some potions or a key, and if you just happen to blindly, and it's going to be a blind jump, jump into that dagger, that weapon that you spent all that time trying to pick up is now gone. Uh, there's there's no option. Do you want to switch between this and this? You don't automatically keep the best weapon. You can drop back down to that that basic dagger pretty easy on accident. And And then if you want that weapon back that you had, you have to just completely retrace your steps from there. Or in some cases you can't. There are some yes, weapons you can't. In some cases you are you've got your one shot at it and too bad after uh, that. The other part of that that I didn't realize at all, and again, this is nowhere in the manual, and, and I'm impressed that people have figured this out because if you play this game for ten minutes, 
and decide you want to figure out all the ins and outs and intricacies of this game. I'm, I mean, you need better hobbies. But there are a finite number of these items. So, you know, you're, look, you're jumping around looking for potions, but essentially there's only like 10 potions in the game. And mm-hmm. you gotta, if you jump and grab them, then they're gone. If you jump and yeah. they appear and you walk away, they'll stay. But how would you know that? Because it doesn't seem, it's not like they make any sense. It's not like if you jump in certain spots where there's like a, I don't know, a hollowed out tree or something that all of a sudden you can find a potion in it. I mean, it, it's just like you feel like you're jumping around at random and they just show up in the air and you grab them. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. a finite number of these things. So that's the other part you can screw yourself is you can jump around at the beginning and grab as one character, one one counselor, all the daggers. Well, now no one else can ever grab a dagger. Yeah. Like, uh, the only thing that, that apparently you can get over and over again uh, is the uh, the lighters because you get those after you kill X number of zombies. Um, mm-hmm. So th- the beginning of the game, in theory, you're supposed to go to all of these houses, and the large houses, to use your... Um, lighter to light the fireplaces now you're not going to be able to do that easily because pretty much as soon as you start the game there's like a siren alert noise and either your one of the counselors or some of the campers are currently being attacked by jason so you have to wander around this map and it's it's a pretty on the map screen the map (laughs) makes a lot of sense when you look at it on the map screen, you're like, okay, I see. There's a big circle around the entire camp, and then there's a little circle around a cave and a little circle around a lake. So I should be able to figure out how to get to these cabins. Uh, the map itself might be... And once you figure it out, I guess it's not that bad. But when you first get to where you have to go into one of the inner circles of the map, it, like, inverses everything. It, it mm-hmm. turns it around. So on the map, you'll be going to the right to go clockwise or counterclockwise i'm sorry right to go counterclockwise but if you go in the inner circles if you go right you're going clockwise it inverts the way you're going in these circles and i guess you could tell that if you look at the way the road looks that you come in from it kind of lets you know okay if i'm looking at the map and the road is at the bottom of the screen then obviously left is right and right is left or whatever the deal Mm -hmm. but uh, i promise you i didn't figure that out when i was a kid and i certainly (laughs) still had problems with it now even more so there are there are two forests and a set of caves. And yes. in those areas, it's a thousand times worse. Because not only do you not have an overhead map for reference, but it doesn't seem to make any sense at all how those areas work. But let's not even talk about those areas. The standard map, where you get to see it to find the house to get to where Jason is. You have 60 seconds, and you have to find your way around the map with your current counselor to get to where Jason is. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could change counselors. Yes. The only way to change counselors is to go into one of the small houses, and then when you go into one of the houses, the goal, the, the view switches to a almost a first-person-y kind of mode. It reminds me a lot of the Goonies 2 in-house, where there's like a set of commands on the right, mm-hmm. and you can see the screen in front of you. But unlike Goonies 2, um, you know, you're not just... You're not just using items in there. You actually do have to fight Jason on occasion. It does come to an action sequence that comes in those screens. But still, you have four commands in there, and one is change. I thought that only worked when you were in the ca- the cabin with another counselor. Uh-huh. It lets you switch to them, which is all it does when you're in one of those cabins. But if you're in a small cabin by yourself, you can hit change, and it takes you back to the map screen. You can pick a new counselor, preferably yeah. one who's close to wherever Jason is. I'm going to be honest. Up until five minutes before this podcast, I didn't know you could do that. So I'm I'm so fucking mad that I just found that out myself because you just you upped your your game. Now when you guys go back to play it, because I know you're going to go back to play it, you've got this new technique you can use. Yeah, it's the it's the best way 
for traversing this map. Um, and, and you can kind of put your, your counselors sort of strategically kind of around. So you can do a little, it's, it's, I guess the game's version of fast travel for, you know, just for lack of better terms. Cause yeah, I mean, you really have got the hustle to get to those cabins and it always seems like, uh, the, the counselor counselor you have just happens to be so far away. Um, but yeah, you have to get there to rescue these kids. It's not necessary to rescue all of them. I, I believe you can go down to as far as one left alive at the end of the game. Um, but yeah, you're going to want to try to keep them alive because not only are you having to deal with Jason, you know, in the in the cabin, but you know, you can also have just random encounters out on the path as you're walking and you're going to want that because you're going to have to face him three times because the game is essentially divided up into three different days and each day the enemies i I don't think anybody ever does any more damage to you as far as the zombies and whatnot but i did notice they do get faster uh but jason is really going to pick up the pace and it's kind of strategic as to where you want to fight him at whether you want it to be in the cabin or if you want it to be out on the trail. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of little ins and outs to this. And and the caves that we, we touched on a little bit before, uh, we'll talk about as we go along, are definitely worth making at least a couple of trips into for some, some items you can't quite find anywhere else. And as a kid, I had to pick up uh, a couple of these items uh, were the only way I could really ever finish Jason off. Well, I apparently wasted way too much time. With, <laughs> I, I didn't know that you could actually switch like that. So I was just, you know, anytime it was saying that Jason was at a certain cabin or somewhere, I was just using the character that I had to try to traverse this goddamn mm-hmm. map uh, and, and get to the point where where Jason was. And that was impossible almost to the point where this seems like something that you should just figure out and and know before you start playing the game which there's a lot of things about this game that seems like you should just know before you start playing the game that would make life way easier and Mm. i just i didn't know any of this stuff so yeah i shit i i i just i wasted a hell of a lot of fucking time running around that that goddamn trail and not just do you need to get there in 60 seconds or the person dies the longer it takes you to get to the counselor or the kids, you know, counselors will lose life. If you take 30 seconds, a counselor's down to half life on their life bar. So your life bar does not recover until you kill Jason that first day or until uh-huh. you use potions. And the potions are what? Maybe, maybe a fifth of your life. I mean, if, if you're lucky. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's laughable at best. It's a smidge of life that you get to, res, res, you know, so fill people with and knowing that you only have a finite number of those things, uh, which I didn't know that that's even worse. I mean, I thought it was unlimited. I just was, you know, after a while, it's harder to find them. But no, no, there's like 12 um, to to put a better point on what you're saying, Jeremy, about how things are not defined. For example, the fact that J- that Billy just threw out. Oh, yeah, you got to kill him three times and it's broken out in three days. That's never explained any place. No, that that was something I found out years later. I know you had to have, uh, I know I just coincidentally followed him a few times. I, I, you know, really, there's nothing there to tell you. It's over a three-day span. Uh, That was just uh, knowledge picked up uh, well after the fact. Well, and, and when you fight Jason the first couple times, or handful of times, in the cabins, you know, you go to wherever he is, or you 
switch to another character that's nearby. You save the kids or the counselor that's there. You walk through the cabin. And you have to find Jason in that cabin, which you don't think would be hard with a two-room cabin, but you have to face every wall. <laughs> um, but once you find Jason, you know he challenges you to a, to a fight, which is not hard once you learn that you can duck, which is in the manual. To be fair, yeah. but I never knew that. Um, no, I knew how to. I knew it, but I couldn't do it consistently. I think I just never bothered reading the instructions. But but that part is actually explained. But you basically dodge a bunch of Jason's attacks, then throw rocks or a dagger or whatever item you have at him enough times that he will you know flash and run away, and. His life bar goes down a tiny bit. Let's say he has 20 life bar, twenty points in his life bar. You might do one or two in that encounter, and he runs off. Um, mm-hmm. Next time you fight Jason that same day, he'll, have, he'll start at wherever he left off. So he'll start with 18 mm-hmm. or 16. So eventually you do get to the point where, on that first day, where his life bar goes low enough where he'll just fight you to the death. Yeah. He does a lot of damage when he hits you, but especially the first day, it's pretty easy to dodge his attacks. And if you can just kind of follow him around the map... Uh, every time he attacks a camper or whatever and, and switch to the other people. You can kill Jason that first day, uh, which, again, until this podcast, I had never killed Jason. And once I killed Jason the first time, and it started what was equivalent to day two, even though it doesn't really say this is day two of whatever, it's just like, uh-huh. oh, Jason's back, he's stronger. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was so mad, because I thought I had finished the game. <laughs> I was like, I finally beat this motherfucker. It took years, and all of a sudden it's like, no, no, you didn't beat him. In fact, he's way tougher now. I'm like, yeah. uh This is where day two is kind of where the strategy kicks in because it's I cannot beat this son of a bitch in the cabin besides day one. You know, his attacks are a little slower. You can get more hits in day two. He just he he starts this kind of kind of combo and and I just can't dodge the thing. But fortunately, you can kind of apparently he has a set path. I, I was not aware of this. Uh, a, a path that he works. This was something I just found out because um, I, I would just walk the map and sometimes you can just happen to bump into him out on the, you know, the regular side scrolling portion of, of the, of the game. And it is a lot easier to take him out on there. And in fact, when he takes, you know, the six or seven hits and tries to run, you can continue to run also in his direction, continue chasing him down, continue chipping away at his health. And if you're quick enough, you can take him out pretty fast. Um, and that's just the way you have to do it the other two days. Um, but on day one, there's an option. This is completely optional. You can go the entire game without stepping in to the cave and there's a door there and you can fight Remember this from the movie where you fought the animated severed head of Jason's mother. Um, you can fight it. Uh, it. I always found it to be a pretty easy fight. It has just kind of a little back and forth swooping pattern. Uh, and you can get some, some pretty strong items from it. And one of which is, is I guess, the, the strongest item in the game. I've only had this thing a couple times, and that's the pitchfork. Um, the torch I think works just fine. And I, there's a couple ways of getting the torch. I know one is to light all the fireplaces. Uh, no, that doesn't give you a torch. I, that gives hmm? you a flashlight. 
Ah, oh, that's right. The fucking light all the use. Yes, when you finally waste yes. your time and light all the goddamn uh, fireplaces, the last time you light one, you get a flashlight. Yes, and what that and flashlight, flashlight does, it, it lights up the background of the caves. Yes, um, and that's how you find the other doors, passages, which are yes. already very obvious. Um, you don't need this because there's a definite difference in the rocks leading in the pathway to these hidden doors. Uh, so chances are you're going to tap up on the controller anyway to try to walk into it. Um, yeah, I, the pitchfork you get on day three with Jason's mother. Day two, you get the sweater, uh, which is pretty good. I mean, it's a little callback to the movies, you know, where a, a female character would try to assume the role of, uh, of Jason's mother to, to slow him down or to, to try to fool him while somebody comes in for a, a death blow. Um, but yeah, uh, whatever counselor you you win that battle with to get the sweater, it's got to be your good counselor because you can't trade this item. And that, it's on that counselor, and I think it takes them down to half damage Yes, from Jace, mm-hmm. from which everything. is pretty damn useful, especially in the, in the later days. Uh, honestly, I always just try to get the sweater and the torch, and, and I find the torch takes a bar away, a bar of Jason's health per hit. And, you know, if you meet him out on the trail, you can light him up pretty good. Um, but, yeah, it's just, uh, once again, I mean, the ultimate thing with this game is how would you have known? How would you possibly know? Uh, the battle with Jason's mother I stumbled upon by accident when I was a kid. I didn't even know it was there. It wasn't even the first time I rented the game. Uh, but it just, it's exciting because, I mean, it's, I, oh, I fucking love this game. I can't hide it. I, I've I've hidden my hand long enough. I still think this is a decent game. Um, I just think that it's so fucking confusing and could stand to deliver information a little bit better. Have a fucking crazy old man dropping you fucking hints here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so much to do in this game yeah, that no, it, you can play through and never even know about. We didn't even mention the forests. There are two forests. Yes. Like in the caves, there are also mazes. When you figure your way through those, you get to a cabin that has a locked door. That's what those keys are for. Uh, mm-hmm. You unlock the cabin, and most of the time you'll find a weapon in there. I think the default is a machete, but you mm-hmm. can find notes in the cabins, and they're they're pretty basic notes that'll say things. I wrote some of them down because they're such in, in intricate hints. I don't want to lose it. Uh, you'll go to, to one that says, go into one of the cabins by the lake. And you find a cabin by the lake, and you, it says, go into the woods. You go into the woods, and if you have those, you can find another, uh, I think in one of the cabins in the woods, you'll find a note that says something like, there's a machete in Hut 3, or something like that. And you you, mm-hmm. you basically need to find these notes to get some of the better weapons early. That's mm-hmm. how you get the torch early. Yeah. Um, you know, all these things that we're talking about, it makes it sound like this game... Uh, is organized and something you can follow. Billy, I am more than impressed that before this podcast, you knew how to play this game. Because I have tried this game over the years several times. And and mm-hmm. again, I knew how to fight Jason in cabins. I knew how to, to get at least the dagger. I think I got the machete once by accident, because you can get that mm-hmm. from killing... Uh, from from the woods, you know, kind of by accident if you're just grabbing notes and looking for it. So, I mean, I, I knew there were better weapons. In the book, it tells you you can get a pitchfork and a torch and other things, but an axe. The only one I ever got was the machete, and I killed, you know, I came close to killing Jason, but never did. So, 
the fact that you know I never ran into Jason's mom. That's something that's in the game, and I, I never would have found it. I never went into those caves mm-hmm. because it, it looks like it's a maze, and I hate mazes, especially in a game where the basic map that it gives you and it lays out feels like a maze because of how you have to make sure that you're turning the right way. And while you're in both the the cave and the woods, the whole time you're there, you keep getting sirens that Jason's attacking people outside of the woods yeah. and the cave. So even if you were like, I'm going to spend this playthrough mapping out the caves, you've probably lost your entire game while you're doing mm-hmm. it. And you still haven't really mapped out the caves as far as I can tell, because I know you just said you don't need to know, uh, you don't need the flashlight to see where those backgrounds were, but I certainly do. I, I don't know how yeah. I can't tell them apart. I can't. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's subtle, and it's probably because I... <sighs> I can't put myself in my shoes at that time back then when I first started playing through. But yeah, there's, you know, little rocks along the trail and you will find a couple rocks that are just cracked. And I, I imagine the first time I just said, what the hell, let's just push up on them. And and yeah, you get on through. Uh, but, but learning the ins and outs of this game was not something done at the time of this game's release. This is one of those ultimate fucking just around school fucking hearsay type things. Oh, this person found this, this person found that. Not like everybody in fucking school was playing it. I'm talking about like the three kids in school that were playing the damn game, just exchanging information. And it wouldn't be until much later uh, when I sat down as an adult and played this, um, that I, you know, found other little things here and there, some things by accident and just some getting online just to, you know, i I would find something new. It's like, well, shit, it's fucking 20 years later and I'm just now finding this. What else is in here? So, yeah, it's it's a game with a lot of little secrets to it, a lot of items and a lot of areas. And I haven't encountered a game like that where there's so much stuff in it. And, you know, people that played this back, uh, back you know, in the late 80s, early 90s and played through the game uh, are still surprised by, you know, some of the shit in this thing. Uh, and it's just, it just goes to show just kind of how, how poorly put together this thing is. I mean, it's, it's just fucking, it has the budget of some of those fucking early Friday the 13th films. It's just, it's barely, it's barely holding together. So are we saying that this is the dark souls of NES games? No, no, it's not the Dark Souls <laughs> game. Because Dark Souls, yes, it doesn't give you a lot of guidance, but it certainly tells you how to play the game, and it certainly tells you, you know, you know where to go at the start, and yeah, you have a couple branching paths, but it's still not... This is unintelligible. I Even with a fact that tells you what to do, like then you're like, okay, this mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But this is the kind of game someone, you know, they, they must have... Loved the movie so much, like, here's what I want to do in a movie. They got all this stuff written out, and then they just let someone else write the instruction manual. And it, mm-hmm. it does not tell you what to do. It's, it's, it reminds me a lot of, um, not in gameplay, but in... Remember, did anyone ever have the Indiana Jones game for the Atari 2600? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes, I totally remember playing. Yes, I no. so it was it, it was a, 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 an exploration, like, treasure hunting game. It, it is... I mean, I knew how to finish it, and I don't know how because I didn't learn it the right way. Like, I had a friend that must have had a guide, or maybe it told you in the instruction. I have no idea. That game is a bunch of screens of random colored blocks and stuff, and you're supposed to, like, fall down certain pits and make sure you put certain items in certain rooms. And I, I don't know how anyone ever figured it out, but we knew how to do it. And we are like, oh, this game is great. Look how, look how involved it is. It's just like the movie. But then it, it's not a fun game. It, it is a game where you someone tells you what to do. You can see how to progress through it. 
but you're never going to figure it out on your own. And in this game, it it feels like it's a little too tedious with the amount of times you have to do the same things over and over and over again. It's not like you can spend all three days to make sure you get the best weapons on items and fight Jason because you're constantly going back to chase him down to a cabin to stop him from killing a counselor and fighting him for a couple hits, and then he runs off. And you do the same thing over and over again while you slowly try to get through the map and eventually, either you can get the right items and kill him on day three, or you're just not going to get those items because you're busy chasing him around, and he's going to just smoke mm-hmm. you on day two. Uh, that's what I'm going to this it, time. That, it's really the downfall of this game. It's it's the thing, and e- even though I like this game, it's the thing that takes a lot of the fun out of it is just the constant alarms. And I, I just think it would have been a lot it would have been a lot more fun, and it would have been a lot easier if you just had the freedom and the time to, you know, kind of just explore, you know, at your leisure and, you know, yeah. And just, you, you just have to worry about keeping your, your counselors alive and, and, and the whole thing with having to save the the kids, which is, is hardly ever a thing in the Friday the 13th films. I mean, it's it always as conveniently, you know, just the counselors there the, the night before, you know, the camp's opening or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it really, it takes a hit because of that, because it's just such an annoyance and for such a, a kind of in-depth, I mean, it's fucking not well explained, but it's pretty in-depth amount of things you can do in this game. They, they really don't give you a lot of time to do it. Yeah, no, it, it's certainly in-depth, but to the point where if you mess any of those things up, you've thrown away your chances of finishing the game. Oh, and you've got not, to run a tight ship yeah, it's, when you play it, through this thing. And without any guidance, I again, anyone who mm. beat this game when it was new, without knowing someone who made the game, I'm thoroughly impressed. Uh, <laughs> but also, you should. there were many better games to play at that time. Uh, so yeah, mm. Billy, I don't know how you, you can stand by this, but you know what? Maybe, just maybe, the other game we're going to talk about today is a better game, which is Nightmare on Elm Street, also for the Nintendo. I was so fucking excited for this one. Uh, I, it's it may I don't know what game, magazine it was. Probably Game Players or Game Pro at the time had a little ad for this game, and I remember seeing that and I was fucking thrilled because this was a series. Nightmare on Elm Street. This was a series that just played around my house constantly. I, it's all my parents watched. I, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, all that fucking. My folks were huge on it, so it was always on the TV, so I grew up watching it. And to know there was a video game coming out, and at the time to not know how movie adaptations of video games turned out, yeah, I was super excited. And I remember picking this one up. This was not just a, this was not a, uh, just a rental. Uh, this was a purchase pretty wow. quickly after renting it a time or two. Um, and I just remember sitting there and loving this and, all my friends were excited, and we had that friend with the four score. We got together. We played four players on this thing, and I'll talk about how that goes as we as we move along. 
But yeah, this was one. I was definitely a lot more excited for this one than Friday the 13th, uh, just because I just love the series a, a, a lot more. And again, going into it blind, you know, the, I started out with uh, Friday the 13th. You know, I'd never mm-hmm. played that game before. And I, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up with it. So it's not something I really want to learn the intricacies for. Wasn't really into it, and I did not know what to expect with this one. So, I, I've never, you know, I've always, like I said, I've never been a big fan of horror movies because of anxiety and things like that. But I was interested to see what they would do with this game uh, based on what they did with the previous game. Because this, you know, as much as uh, you, you can kind of talk shit about Friday the, Friday the 13th, uh, it did a lot of things differently. You know, it wasn't just trying to be a straight-on platform, side-scrolling platforming game. I mean, it was, basically, but it had a lot more to it. It was obvious that they wanted to do more with that game than just be the standard game, regardless of if they're successful or not. So I, I wanted to see what they did with Nightmare on Elm Street, which definitely kind of is more of the standard uh, right-to-left action platform game that we've covered all the time on this channel. But they they did totally kind of do a, a little bit more with it than just what you would expect with that kind of movie-based game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, compared to Friday the 13th, which uh, it has a lot of layers, like an onion, uh, this game does not. I mean, this game is definitely more of a standard, this is what I expected from an LJN platformer. It's got the themes that make sense with the movie, but you know, especially the very beginning, you walk down the street, uh, as mm-hmm. whatever, whoever you're supposed to be, Tommy, I don't know who you'd be in this game. Um, you walk down the street through a bunch, you, know, you see a bunch of houses where the doors are closed and somewhere they're open. So you go into the first house with an open door and all of a sudden you're going through what kind of feels like a Castlevania level, uh, a simple older Castlevania level. But instead of, you know, in-depth involved fighting, you're just kind of punching things and grabbing <laughs> bones. And there's a collector at the top of the screen, a collector count that shows how many bones are left in the in the area. Once you've collected all the bones, you find the the door to the basement or the area to you know the opening to the next area. Sometimes it's a staircase up, sometimes it's a staircase down. Uh, it takes you through another level, and and some of the later levels have many layers of that uh, to find. Eventually, you get to the last one of those floors. You collect a number of bones, and you will fight a, a an incarnation of Freddy. And the first level is the best, the, the, not the best example, but one of the ones where it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's his glove, the claw glove that you think of. It's a giant version of the glove, and it shoots across the, the, the room on an arm uh, made of, of weird balls, but an arm anyway. And you just have to make sure you punch the glove before it hits you, and um, you do enough hits to it, you can see its light bar goes down, and it goes away, and he dissolves. You get a key, mm-hmm. which allows you to open one of the locked doors in another house, and... You know, you go to another house, you do the same thing. In, in the basics of what each level is, that's it. You collect bones. Yeah. Once you've gotten all the bones, you go to another floor, collect all the bones. Eventually, you get to Freddy. Uh, in some version, you fight Freddy, and and that's the end of that level. I think there's, what, six or seven houses or areas you go mm-hmm. into total. Um, you go from, I think, three houses and then into... Uh, what is it? The, the the high school. Oh, yeah. Well, the high yep. school is towards the end, so it's yes. it's... Uh, you you definitely do a couple houses. Then there's Freddy's house. Then you go to the, the oh the the junkyard and uh, the I think you go through a church like an old church, and uh-huh. then you go to the high school. So either way, it's like six or seven levels that are all basically the same kind of gameplay where yeah. you collect bones, you dodge what start out to be things like bats and rats and 
the things you'd expect to find in an old house, big spiders. But uh, what I thought was your health bar at the top of the screen is not your health bar. It's your, what is it, sleepiness bar? I don't know what you call mm-hmm. it. Your mm-hmm. sleep meter. And as it goes down to zero, unless you grab coffee or other things to keep you awake, you all of a sudden the game will switch to a nightmare mode, much like that first level of Monster Party. Uh, where it switches from day to evil mode, except unlike that, um, the game doesn't switch back after that level, and it, it's not just a cool gimmick. Uh, instead, things become much harder. All those monsters transform into harder versions of those monsters. But you can find uh, three different power-ups that turn you from a normal kid that just punches enemies into one of three different dream warrior forms. There's mm-hmm. a, a ninja, uh, a gymnast, and a wizard. Yeah. So this is obviously based on... Uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street's three and four, I guess. Um, yeah, pretty pretty heavily on three. Um, yeah, I, I think four. I mean, the plot of three was finding Freddy's bones and and you know and and giving them a proper proper burial or whatnot. And, right, and that's the goal. And yeah, of this that's game. where you had the the people with the the dream powers. Uh, you know, you had your the the wizard master and and all the others. So I was I was really excited because Nightmare Three has long been. My favorite, you know, from the time it came out still to today, I think it's kind of the height of, of the series. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was exciting that they were able to kind of, I know what they were going for. And it's pretty impressive that you can actually walk the, the length of Elm Street. And there are, you know, locations from the film. You know, you have a church, you know, you have the, the school, you have the, the junkyard, which is, you know, from three and four. And it... And the end, I mean, the the reasons they look like they do on the inside uh, defy all logic in the, the waking world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just thought it was, uh, it was nice that they tried to do that. Tried to give you a kind of an Elm Street to walk up and down as you're going in and out of the, the damn place fucking collecting and fucking like Randy Travis digging up bones as you go along. Fucking, it was, uh, I don't know. I like it. I still do. Um, I just have to say it can get a little difficult because of the bone. It's just like a really small, plain white sprite. And sometimes it kind of blends in a bit much. And, and there's nothing more painful than fucking traversing one of these levels, getting to the end of that trap door, and you can't get down. And you look up, and you're missing one fucking bone. And yeah, but, you proceed to just go back and forth. And it, it's not long levels. I mean, you can just you can keep going back and forth, back and forth, and just not find the damn thing. And I encountered that a couple times. And it is just maddening when it gets to that point. Yeah, the, the first couple of levels, I mean, I, I actually started, started out enjoying this game because it, mm-hmm. it's just... You know, it's very much just a, a straight up kind of action platformer. And you're just... You, you're going through there. They're collecting these bones. And like you said, these bones are just straight. You know, they look like chicken bones, you know, mm-hmm. just hang, hanging out in the stage. Uh, but it, there's a lot of times where it, they do just blend into that background. And there, you just have, there's a good, good amount of times where I picked up a bone like going downstairs and it would make the sound effect that you yeah. picked up a bone. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't even know there was a bone there. Mm-hmm. And then later in the game. Uh, some of those levels kind of get a little long. And if you make it to the last uh, area, you know, the part where you have to continue on, if you're missing one or two, you have to go all the way back through yeah. that level to figure out where the hell you missed those. Mm-hmm. 
And it could be, you know, fairly close or it could be all the way back at the beginning of the level that you just, so you, that was probably my biggest complaint with the game. It's, it's not so much that it's, it's a bad game. It's just, it gets kind of tedious, like going back and forth, trying to find where you might have missed those bones, because sometimes it can very much feel like one of those, uh, you know, where, where's Waldo kind of things. Like it just mm. kind of blends in with the background. Well, and it's not just that the levels get harder because they get longer or the enemies get tougher necessarily. Even starting with, I want to say, the third house, uh, although it may have even start in the second house, not only do you have monsters that are placed throughout the level, like a Castlevania, but you also start getting monsters that constantly spawn, much like the, the bats or Medusa heads mm -hmm. in, in uh, the, the Castlevania games. And they come at you pretty much constantly. And when you jump, they do knock you back. And when you fall, you yeah. do die. And... Yes, you get a fair number of lives, and I think you get unlimited continues, and the continues let you start right where you died from. So especially, you know, since it does have a multiplayer component where you, I'm assuming you all play together, that makes it more fun. But it meant that, yes, it was challenging, and yes, it was annoying, but ultimately I felt like I just kept continuing over and over and over again. I don't think there's ever a limit to those continues. Uh, at least that I could see there wasn't. Oh, no, I don't think so. I think you're free to... Continue on as often as you want. Um, so, so my point is, this is this is a game where you do the same thing over and over and over again. The only difference in these levels, you know, other than that there are more enemies and they're longer, is that the Freddy version you fight at the ever, at the end of every level is a different version of Freddy. Mm -hmm. um, you get the 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 glove by itself with a hand, then you get a glove that kind of flies around the room. You get J Freddy's head and a glove. I think he becomes like a, a weird ghost looking thing. And then there are some where you actually fight the man Freddy. Uh, as he runs around and it's I mean those are all cool and and I'm not saying that's not fun but at some point that's the only reason to get through the level is to see what version of Freddy you fight at the end and none of them are necessarily that different they're all little enough to fly around the screen or run around the screen and you just I mean uh, I, I did not finish this game so if anyone did good to, good for you I don't think it's impossible since you can continue indefinitely <laughs> I just got bored but yeah. uh, eventually, you know, you use the, the ninja form or whatever, and you just jump kick your way to victory. And it just it seems like it takes a lot more hits than would make any sense to 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 do those fights, considering they're so repetitive and, and mm -hmm. you know, generally not very difficult, um, especially if you can continue your way and stay exactly the progress you've made. You can just kind of, you know, throw yourself at it like a hammer yeah. and, and eventually finish it. So, I, I mean, I, I think that this game does have some good good ideas and I like you know I like that you can go back and back and forth from the dream to the waking world like if you're in the dream world and you find a radio it plays and it wakes you up I mean that that's kind of a cool idea there's a lot of neat little mm -hmm. nuggets in this game but the the basics of the game I think are real real simple and I think that makes sense for a four player game actually where you're just going to play with a bunch yeah. of people and just kind of randomly not randomly but just run through this maze as pure chaos and just he's who gets the most points at the end but but as far as being a fun single player, you know, action with some puzzle elements, kind of, or or at least some strategy elements, I I think this is pretty bare bones. It's 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 not a game you're going to quit because it's difficult. It's it's a fatigue is going to set in if you're not, you know, not really enjoying it or not wanting to play through. Yeah, you get to be you get to play through just to kind of see you know, what the next Freddy form might be or, you know, what if, if the next fight's going to differ a little bit, you're going to find out that the, I mean, the forms are, are, are neat, you know, for the time. And they, they tried to 
kind of go with some things from the movies. I think this is where there's there's kind of the Freddie has the the advantage over Jason as far as he's you know presented himself in so many forms in the films that they there's and with the dream world there's certainly a lot more to work with there. Um, but yeah, you're gonna get one single player unless you're really enjoying yourself and if you've played through it before, you're just going to get kind of wore out. I think of just doing the same monotonous task over and over. And I have to say the four player on this thing is worth it for the, the experience. I mean, it's probably a lot easier to do nowadays online, um, getting four people together. I, I found it. The only problem was that this thing flickers like a son of a bitch when you've got four people on that screen. It, it's it's almost unbearable. Um, it, it really works, works it over as far as the flicker and as far as slowing down a little bit. I mean, you can imagine, uh, this game already flickers a, good, a little bit to begin with, but then throw four characters on there, just running, jumping around everywhere. Um, and I remember it just being very confusing. I remember dying a lot more uh, when we had four people rather than whenever I played... Uh, by myself. Still, uh, still it's fun because I, I didn't play many four-player games at the time, so I was still taken aback by the gimmick of, of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's holds a special place with me. I enjoy the game, but I mean, I can get on there and play through it pretty quick. Uh, if, if you're playing it, and if you're playing through that first level, and you don't really care... Uh, you know, about the Freddy encounters, uh, you've played the game. Uh, there is a, you could probably cut it off if you want to, cause, uh, you know, cut it off and look up the, the end screen on, you know, on Google and just call it a day. Cause it's not going to get any different. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of variety. Uh, I got to tip my hat to Friday the 13th for at least, you know, kind of keeping things, a little bit fresher as you played along. This one just, it really doesn't have the, the same longevity. Uh, unless it's, it's got one trick and if, if you don't like it, then there's not going to be much of a game here for you. And I, I did actually play through this one. I, mm-hmm. you know, I <laughs> couldn't, couldn't deal with the, with the other one or the Friday the 13th, but nightmare on all the it, it kind of has that kind of monotonous, do the same thing over and over again, which I am totally a fan of. Yeah. And uh, I, I managed to, to make it all the way through the end. And I, we've, we talked a little bit about, uh, or you mentioned the amount of different things that Freddie can become in those, in, in those nightmares in the movies. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of felt a little bit just dumb at some point in, in oh, this yeah. one where it was like, you know, you've got the hand and you got the mouth, I, I, the head, the giant head or whatever, which is cool because, like, you know, he's throwing out his tongue. There's extra tongues mm-hmm. you have to kill. That's really neat. But then you get to, like, Freddy Bat, and it's just a bat flying. <laughs> it's just Freddy's head as a bat flying around the room. And yeah. then at some point, it's it's Freddy Ghost. It's literally yeah. just Freddy's head as a ghost flying around yeah. the room, which is the exact same as the bat. Oh, so, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's kind of, they could have done a little bit more, you know, I, I don't know what they could have maybe done, but 
uh, generally there's there's a lot there's definitely a few of those forms that are just repeated like the mm-hmm. head and the hand are just repeated yeah. and the the bat and the the ghost are repeated and freddy at the very end whenever you do uh, get to that boiler room and fight him in his just his regular freddy form there's he's literally just walking a few steps and, and slicing with his with his claw hands and then going back and forth and doing the same pattern over and over again. Yeah, it's There's, bizarre fights as if he's been blinded. And yeah, it's, he literally seems like he's been flashbanged or something and he cannot <laughs> see what he's doing and you are just you you can just go around and, and hit him whenever you can. There's some like um, Freddy Glove claws coming up from the floor that you have to dodge. But besides that, that's it. And I I also have to admit, before you actually get to that stand, just regular Freddy, there is a boss rush. So you yes. have to go through every single one of those other forms, which none of them are very hard, but Mm-mm. it's still just one of those things. I got to that boss rush and I was like, of course there's a boss rush. Boss rush. Why wouldn't there be? Because every fucking game we cover, there has to be a boss rush at some point. That's just how it works. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of a game that I enjoyed. Definitely. And playing through it. Uh, the music is unexpectedly <laughs> really good for, yeah. for one of these games uh it's just uh, and when you change whenever you go back to hell world and and then change back it's like a weird remix of the rc pro-am song <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of because this is rare rare made rc pro and they actually uh developed this game yeah. which is interesting uh, to think about that this was this was a game that rare actually created uh, so uh yeah i i enjoy this one definitely more than I did Friday the 13th, but still I, I wouldn't say that it's a great game. There's, there's way too many problems with it. And it's, it is very, very repetitive. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think uh, it's, it's definitely a lot more accessible. Um, it's, it's one that you don't have to figure much out. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of laid out there, you know, for you, what you're, what you're doing and you get the gist of it. You know, you have that counter up there and you want to get the counter down to zero. Uh, you want to fight these enemies. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot more easy to just jump into. Um, whereas Friday the 13th, uh, I think you just stumble along much like Freddie on that last fight. Uh, you just stumble along kind of blindly through that one. Um, but yeah, I just, I, both these games, I have a soft spot for them. Have played through them so many times. Um, and yeah, I mean, I will definitely be playing these again. Uh, it's not like I play them every year. I mean, I just think about them sometimes and and pick them up and play through. They're both uh, Friday Thirteenth when you kind of know what you're doing on there, and this one are, are both quick quick playthroughs. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would recommend if you're a fan of the series, you probably have to. You probably at least have to jump on there, give each one of them a try. Uh, you'll you'll find maybe little things. Well, especially probably Nightmare, but Friday Thirteenth a little bit less. You'll find little things from the series that you recognize and and little callbacks here and there. Um, if you're not fans of the series, uh, you might might take the Nightmare on Elm Street because I mean it's like like Jeremy said, it's more of your kind of your standard side scroller. Um, so there, there's a lot of fun to be had there, and I think these aren't bad games. I think they fall under that problem that, yeah, there was an angry video game nerd episode about them. So now, even though you haven't played them, you're going to take the stance that they're fucking awful, uh, which I think happens a lot nowadays with the games. Um, 
someone uh you know someone says it's bad so it's got to be and i'm gonna speak on it as if i've played it myself um but that aside i think if you sat down and actually played them you'll find they're they're not good games but they can be entertaining games they can be fun in parts uh they're certainly not just the fucking shitty ass games i think they they get the reputation for being at least that's my stance on it I, I have to disagree to some level. I do think oh. that specifically Friday the 13th is a bad game. Now, maybe once you know what to do, it's followable and it's, you know, I'm going to go back now and, and I'm going to finish that game uh, in mm. theory. I may just give up and decide to go back to fight monsters, but uh, <laughs> I definitely want to finish Friday the 13th just to say I've done it, but I can't do yeah. it on my own. Like, I couldn't have just figured this out. Even if the only game I owned from the time I bought a Nintendo until now was Friday the 13th, I probably would not have figured out all the things needed to to really finish that game. And that means it's a bad game, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street is a far more accessible game. You don't need the instruction manual. Uh, Yeah, you might not figure out how to use your Dream Warrior powers until eventually you realize, oh, okay, I have to use these things when I'm dreaming. That makes a lot of sense. But but otherwise, the game is very simple. You find bones till your bone count goes to zero, then leave the level. And it's very, very simple to the point where single player, I got bored with it two levels in and I did mm-hmm. play more just to see like, oh, I want to see what else happens. And then, you know, I was like, let me just look online. And before I waste all my time focused on this game instead of the other, uh, you know, is there a lot more to this game? And the answer is no. Now, the multiplayer ability does mean I would recommend this to anyone who's looking, you know, if you like Nightmare on Elm Street, if you're looking for, like, a fun two-player game that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of mindless, but you are going to see different things, you're going to plow through it. I mean, I definitely spent a lot of nights playing through two-player games like this with my brother or with friends or whoever. I I probably would have finished this game, and I'd probably have better memories of it if I would have bought it when it was new. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, man, with the number of other games you can play, even just on the NES, I can't recommend you spend your time on either of these games. They're, they're not, uh, they're just not very well made. Either they are too simple and, and won't force you to go all the way through to find the most you can out of the game. You can see most of the game in two levels in this mm-hmm. case of Nightmare on Elm Street. And in the case of Friday the 13th, it's, it's like an endurance challenge just to even kill Jason the first time. And then to know you have to, figure out how to map those other areas out, find out how to get certain notes so you can get different weapons at different times. I mean, that's... Yeah. I'm going to do it to say that I did it, but I, I just think a game that you have to wait 20 years for an online fact <laughs> to figure out can't be considered a good game. So yeah. if I have to pick one of these two, uh, which I guess is only fair, I'm going to pick Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, but, man, that's a, that's... If I only had those two carts, I probably would not be in the games. We would not be doing this podcast. I'd be doing something else completely. Maybe I'd be really into soccer. Who knows? These games are not great. <laughs> I, mean, I, I will say that you know it's nice that they at least tried something a little original with both of those games. You know, it's not they didn't do it well, but you know that it, it's just not a straightforward piece of shit game like most LJN games are. Games are they. You know, they they tried to sort of honor what those those movies did, the story, you know, the uh, the the plot of of each of those, you know, doing the bones with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and uh, it just going around and trying to kill Jason, is is pretty close to what those movies were trying to do. And on the NES, it's it's impressive that that's what they were doing, 
because they could have just totally cheaped out and, and made an even worse game, which is hard to imagine. But still, I, I'm trying to give them the, the benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. it's LJN, it's Halloween, these are the games we've got. They're not as terrible as I was led to believe. Maybe Friday the 13th is. But for the most part, it's not something I would go back to, but I, you know, it, it's it's not as bad as what I was led to believe. Oh, there's certainly worse games, but still, I mean, these did not hold up. I mean, if that's if that's the point of this podcast is do these games hold <laughs> up? The answer is a resounding no, at least no. on my end. So that's our Freddy versus Jason. I guess if we had to pick a winner, we've all picked Freddy. Uh, or really none of us won. So the games won uh, and took us out. But I'm glad we played them, glad we focused on them, so we never, ever have to do it again. Uh, one more thing I wanted to note is, much like Jeremy said, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street was made by Rare. Uh, LJN normally used to license out the property and then get someone else to make the game. Uh, Friday the 13th, made by Atlas, the same company that makes Persona. So both of these companies that made these games have gotten to do much, much better things. Uh, thankfully. But uh, yeah, I always like finding out who made these old games people may not like. Uh, Karate Kid, also Atlas. That's really weird. <laughs> I mean, when you go back and, and look in, at what they've done, you know, these amazing developers that have gone on to much better things to think that, you know, Rare made Nightmare on Elm Street and Atlas was, was there making Friday the 13th. It's it, it's just really strange to kind of think about where these these developers started from. So now that we've gotten through October, and unfortunately for everybody else on Earth, Red Dead Redemption 2 hits by the time you're hearing this. And that means we've all been playing it since the day it came out. And for the next two weeks, in order to play the next game, I'd like to play something that's not going to pull me away from it too much. uh, And also will motivate me, perhaps, to stay in the Western theme. So I think we're going to cover Wild Guns for the Super Nintendo. Uh, Might not have a lot to it. I have no idea. I would have said the exact same thing about Friday the 13th until we did this episode and we talked about it for almost an hour. So Mm -hmm. we'll find out uh, in two weeks. Uh, If not, we're going to talk a whole lot about Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, So hopefully everyone else will play along with us on that. But either way, until our next episode, please check us out on Retrovania.net. There are links to our Twitter, our Facebook all our videos on YouTube, and, of course, episodes of this podcast. And until then, that makes no sense. And we'll see you next time.